0: The text is Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I'm going to read that now, but it's going to be a while before we get around to it. And, uh, and there's a specific reason for that as, as we continue through our thoughts this morning. But if you'd like to follow along, Ephesians 4, <clears throat> 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling and in awe. One of the saddest passages within the epistles is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Everything contrary to what we have just read is addressed by the Apostle Paul's scathing reprimand of the church in Corinth. These are the words of Paul to that fellowship, that church. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. When you come together, It is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry. Another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Paul called out the church for the absence of love for one another, for their selfishness, gluttony, drunkenness, arrogance, irreverence, indifference, and disunity. The Lord's Supper, (laughs) the very thing that the early church incorporated in their meetings together was the breaking of bread together. In the time of Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, the Lord's Supper was established actually in two stages. There was the communal meal, when people would come together and share a meal in their homes together, and often it would be followed by another meal. It was referred to in the book of Jude as the agape feast or love feast. We call it communion or Eucharist, the breaking of the bread and the cup, commemorating the sacrifice that Jesus made on their behalf, on our behalf. What was so troubling to Paul was that for the Corinthians, the agape meal, the love feast, had become an occasion of self-centered indulgence. Absent of any thought of remembrance of the cross and no thought of one another at all, the love feast was void of any love except for oneself. If we were to go back and read the account in the Gospel of John about the, that first Last Supper, Lord's Supper, that meal that Jesus shared with the disciples in the upper room, I think we would come quickly to the understanding of how what we call the Lord's Supper, Communion, would be referred to by the early Christians as the agape feast, the love feast. In chapters 13 through 17, which records the dialogue that Jesus had with his disciples on that night before he was betrayed, the word love spoken by Jesus appears at least 16 times, and derivatives of that too, like loved and loving, is is in addition to those 16 times. And four times, in that conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, he says straight out, as they sup together, love one another. As we gather around the Lord's table this morning, we do employ the emblems of bread and the cup to remind us of the broken body and the blood shed on our behalf. On our behalf, he bore the penalty of our sins, giving up his life for his disciples, for you and for me. This supreme sacrifice was an act of love for the world, for God so loved the world that he gave up his son. At the same time, we are to remember what Jesus told his disciples that night, that they were to love one another, they were to serve one another, they were to live and die for one another. Jesus spoke of the oneness that they were to maintain, a oneness in Christ as one body. In those final words spoken to his disciples in the upper room, or I should say possibly overheard, as those words were a prayer to his heavenly Father, Jesus said this, I do not ask for these only I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one (laughs) so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Did you catch that central word that had been spoken over and over again? Love, one, one, is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. To love one another, to be one in Christ, was our Lord's prayer for His disciples. And again, for you and for me. Our love for one another would be a testimony of a God of love. By, as we love one another, we give credibility to our message as a church. The fact that God sent His Son into the world is, a, is, is to be validated by our oneness in Christ. The credibility of our message that we belong to Christ Jesus will be measured by the degree of unity that we demonstrate as the body of Christ. The world will not believe we are who we say we are if there is disunity within the body. Unity is to be a heartfelt desire requiring a heart for the church and a heart for one another. I... Uh, I'm hesitant to... Uh, I, w- I want to be understood here. This isn't anything about Ron. But I believe the practice of the church is to be that we so love one another that those who are part of our fellowship are in our mind constantly. Constantly. And I can tell you for a fact that as I look into your faces of how often you come to mind during the week. And you're prayed for. Because you're my brother, my sister. And as best I can, the best I possibly can in my human efforts is to love you. Doggone it, I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't even going to share that with you, but that's how I've been feeling all week long and working on this sermon. I love you guys. <laughs> it, and it is, it's a kind of love that just, it's like a love for your child, it's a, like a love for your mates, it's a, like, like a love for a friend that they they just on your mind and in your heart constantly. I don't know all the stuff that you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with in you know, minute to my minute in your life. But I know you got struggles, I know you've got challenges, I know some of you are dealing with illnesses, I know some of you are dealing with major problems within the work environment. There's some people who are here are not here today, and they want to be. And those are the very things that prompt the prayers is to recognize that we are to share the burdens of one another. We are to invest our lives into one another. And this is the very thing that Jesus was asking his disciples to do in that upper room. It isn't you take supper and you go outside and you think, yeah, that was a great meal. It's a buying into the body of Christ, which means we belong to each other. We are to be connected to one another. And what one does can affect the, the, what the other does as well. I apologize for the emotion in all this, but I really believe the church is to be a total unity in love with Christ first and then for one another. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, I apologize for this. Facebook. Uh, but I, I have seen four or five posts this week on Facebook about the Pastor. Of what the pastor goes through, and it lists this 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 uh, empathy for his people, and, and, and being on call twenty four seven, and all those things that are true, and I you know I can tell you that most of the things that were portrayed in that that, that, that post are true, except I would I would take issue to this. It is not just to be the pastor. Listen, I I have felt your love. I know I know, God, I know you love me, (laughs) and that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We not only are supposed to be able to give the love, but acknowledge of how we are loved by one another. Ah, this is a rich fellowship, and I'm I'm excited for Matt. Man, I've lost this sermon already. I don't know where I'm going with this thing. I'm excited for Matt and Jess to come because you know what? I want them to experience the love that is portrayed by you as a people who are in Christ. You know what it is to be loved, and you know how to love. And I encourage you don't let up now. Don't let up now. Boy, where am I here? I, I think I found it here. I, I made the statement that this unity that we are to have because of the love that we have for one another is to be a heartfelt desire. It comes from the heart. We, it isn't just getting along with one another. It isn't just working with one another. It is being a part of one another. So when one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. It's we experience life together. And yes, we will disappoint one another now and then. It's kind of like the arthritis in the thumbs. when well, they don't work right. They disappoint me, but they're still a part of me. <laughs> And so some of you are like arthritis, you know? You can be disappointing, but you're still a part of us. That's not in notes either. I don't know where that came from. Unity requires humility, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. It requires a gentleness, a patience, a loving care for one another. And that's why I chose the passage from Ephesians that Paul is urging us to live a life worthy of our calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope where you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all, through all, and in all. That's what binds us together. So how are we to live this life worthy of our calling? First off, recognize what the calling is. It's the calling of Jesus Christ to be a follower of him, to take on his likeness, to live as as the letting Christ live through us. That's the calling. It's not just a calling for pastors. It's a calling for every person that would yield themselves to the love of Christ. Live a life worthy. Paul is saying, acknowledge what we have in Christ. Recognize the mercy that we sang about, the grace that is exercised, the life that is promised to us, abundant now and forever later. Recognize the the favors that are poured out upon us, the blessings that come our way, and all these good things that we receive from the Heavenly Father through Christ Jesus are to be manifested uh, or are to be demonstrated and shared to those around us. What I have in Christ I am to share with others. What you have in Christ you are to do the same. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. We must we, we gotta guard against false humility. True humility, I, really, I, I think true humility actually causes us to recognize others. True humility points to others. First, it points to God. But it also points to others. The reason I say that is in Philippians 2.3, it says, do nothing for selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Don't ever try to elevate yourself over somebody else, ever. Consider others more significant than yourself. And this whole thing of of gentleness and, again, humility. Jesus himself spoke of the character, his own character, as being gentle and humble. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. As Christ is, so we are to be also. Bearing with one another in love means far more than just tolerating one another. Just trying to get along. It's much more than that. Philippians 2, four. let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. How often do we give thought to what we have or what we do in terms of how it could impact the of others. Our behavior can impact the lives of others. The assets that have been entrusted to us and as we share with others can impact their lives as well. And keep the unity of the Spirit. It's interesting, and I find this, this is powerful, in the fact that this unity in the Spirit is captured in the Trinity. Trusting in the God, three in one. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, and you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and to the God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is one body, First Corinthians twelve, twelve. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. One Spirit, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, For we were all baptized by one Spirit into the body, one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. The oneness by the Spirit. I, I'm trying to think, what does that look like, the oneness in the Spirit? And, and I was thinking uh, some comments that Jeff made uh, a while back of how you can go to another land and and find yourself in fellowship with other believers. Never met these people before, but as you come together as one in the presence of God to worship and to give thanks, there's a kinship there. There, There's a sense of belonging to one another. There's there's a connection because of the common faith that you hold in Jesus Christ. I I always get kind of... charged, I guess, is when I have that encounter with someone for the first time and, and find out, oh, you're one of them too. <laughs> you believe too. And find out they're a brother and sister in Christ when I, on our first encounter. And it, it's, it's a kinship. It's a kin, kindred spirit, the Holy Spirit. One Lord. Coloss- oh, this is a powerful passage. I don't mean to keep you so long, but this is good stuff. <laughs> He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have supremacy. He, the Lord is above it all. One God and one Father. 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 6. We know there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom all things live. And there is to be one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom all things lived. One Lord, one God, one Spirit, one body. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Spirit called us to one faith, one hope. Testified by the one baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Simply put, The closer we choose to draw to God, the closer we will draw to one another. If we would truly live this principle, not just giving it a superficial nod of, yeah, that's right, but buy into it, there would certainly be a unity within the body of Christ, but more importantly than that even, a unity between yourself and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It can't be any more perfect than that. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. With cords that cannot be broken, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, bind us together in love. There is only one God, there is only one King. There is only one body. That is why we sing, and we will be singing that soon. So let us approach the Lord's table as one in Christ, as members of the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters who love each other in the name of Christ, A church that is to love one another and to love our neighbor as ourselves.